pray for the Holy Ghost. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost out behind the family barn. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Searched for somebody to baptize her in Jesus' name. Amen. Was baptized in the name of Jesus. Served God all of her life. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You know, they had something back then. They had something. And I, I, I'm not opposed to doctors. I'm not opposed to taking medicine. But she would not. Because she believed that God was going to heal her when she was sick. A lot of times it was because they couldn't afford any alternatives. Amen. But over and over and over again, God healed them. Praise God. Amen. Over and over again, God took care of them and provided for them in a rough time of life. Amen. God was faithful to them. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that Sarah judged God to be faithful. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you what, no matter what you're experiencing in life, no matter where you're at in life and where you are in your walk with God, amen, you can take it to the bank that God is faithful. Hallelujah. God is faithful. He's never going to fail you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. But he will be faithful even unto the end. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get in a place where we don't understand what we're going through and we can't see where God is and we don't understand anything. But I'm telling you, God's still faithful. God's still with you. God's still in control. God still has his hand in your life. God's still faithful. Amen. We're not going to understand everything that happens in life. My dad was taken from us when he was 44 years old. And it doesn't make sense to me. And maybe never will. But I'm telling you, even through that, God was faithful to me. God took me in his hand and carried me. He's been faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's been some massive disappointments in my life. Even this in the last little while, there's been some major disappointments in life. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you something. God's been faithful. Mm, God's been faithful. Hallelujah. Something I don't ever want to go through again and wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But I'm telling you, God's been faithful to me. God's been good to me. Hallelujah. How can I not lift up my hands? How can I not worship him? My God's been faithful to me. He's been good to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Just because something bad happened in my life, I'm not going to quit worshiping him. I'm not going to quit serving him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's been faithful. Hallelujah. He's been faithful. Mm. Hallelujah. I've heard it so many times. Hey, man, folks, bad things happen. And they say, well, you know, this didn't happen to me before I lived for God. This kind of stuff didn't happen to me back then. But you know what? God's still faithful. Mm. The Bible said that Job was a perfect upright man. He feared God and eschewed evil. Hey Amen. And look what happened to him. But he said, you know what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. 
Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For he's there. He's faithful. Praise God. Worship with my wife tonight as she sings this.
Can we just stand to our feet and lift up our hands? Thank him for his faithfulness today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you're wonderful and mighty, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, you're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. First message I ever preached, which lasted five minutes, including reading a long text and having people pray. Praise God. Amen. Was on the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. He's been faithful to me. Hallelujah. You know, folks are going to let you down sometimes. Even with the best of intentions, sometimes folks are going to let you down. But you know, God never is going to do that. Hallelujah. In our deepest, darkest moments or in our brightest, easiest going times, He's always there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I do want to say what an honor it is to be here tonight. And be asked to preach tonight. Amen. It is our privilege to be here. We're so thankful for Brother Riggin opening up. Amen. The evangelist quarters for us. Amen. And can't tell you how much we appreciate everything you all have done for us. Amen. And for just bringing us in. Amen. Hallelujah. God's been good to me. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Hallelujah. For a little bit tonight, and I am going to do my best to be brief. I know everybody's tired. Amen. But I want to talk about the author for a little bit tonight. The author. Praise God. Can you lift your hands one more time? Ask God to have his way in this place. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, we are so thankful for your touch. We're so thankful, Lord, for your presence in this place. God, I need your touch, your help tonight, God. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, you have been so good to us, Lord. And we're asking, God, that one more time that you would have your way. In the name of Jesus, have your way in every heart, every soul, God. Lord, we need you tonight, God. I need you tonight. I need your help, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you promise not to go to sleep on me. Amen. There's lots of things to throw in here. Praise God. Amen. I had a math teacher, amen, if, in college that if we acted like we was falling asleep, he'd throw the erasers at us off the chalkboard. Amen. And I got hit with one one time. Those things leave a mess. 
And it wasn't even me that was sleeping. It was another guy at the table. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, in writing, amen, me and good brother over here was talking about writing today. Amen. Did you write your paper yet? Hallelujah. He's got to do it tomorrow, five pages. Amen. Might want to start that when you get home tonight. Amen. But in writing, you're, you're supposed to start off with a thesis statement. And then you write an outline of your paper. And then after your outline is complete, you begin to write your rough draft. Now, I, I just admit to you tonight that number one, I'm not a writer. I have taken writing classes and usually I wrote my rough draft and then formed an outline from my rough draft because it was easier. Amen. But it's backwards. You're supposed to start out with your outline and then you flesh it out with your rough draft and then you begin to, 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 to refine it and to rewrite certain areas and to fix your errors and, and you find proofreaders to read it and, uh, and find where your mistakes are because you want your final product to be as error-free and easy to read as possible. Amen. I, I had to take a full year of writing in college, and, uh, and my last class was in research writing. And so we went to class for three or four weeks where she told us how to research. And then we had several weeks off to write our rough draft. And then we had to turn it in at a certain point in time. And uh, our rough draft held more of our grade than our final draft did. And so we had to write a minimum of 20 pages on our chosen subject. And so, and to, to this day, I don't know why, but I, I, for some reason, chose the topic, what is clinical depression? And I was depressed halfway through it. Hallelujah. But um, I wrote this, I wrote 25 pages on it. And, uh, but it, it was quite the deal. And, uh, and I turned in my rough draft, and, and, she, and she, she graded it and found the errors and marked the errors for correction and gave it back to us. And, and to get our final grade, all we had to do was fix everything that she wanted us to fix, turn it back in, and we got our grade. And uh, it, it was quite the deal. And after she had gave it back to me, I even found ones that she missed. Amen. It's one of the weird things about me that I, I, I enjoy picking out mistakes in books and magazines and newspapers. It, it makes me laugh. Amen. When I find a mistake. Amen. It's just the way I am. And uh, hallelujah. Amen. But, but, you know, we want that final product to be as perfect as possible. Amen. Tonight I'd like to think about this as our life being like a book. It's a, a book of many chapters. It begins with our birth. Amen. My kids think their birthday is the greatest day of the year. Except for maybe Christmas. But, amen, it, it, it's a big deal around our house coming up to birthday time. Amen. My two old, my girls can tell you when their birthday is. And, uh, and it's an exciting time, that birthday. But that day we're born, it, it's an exciting day for your parents. Amen. I'll never forget the day that Abigail was born, our first child that we were never supposed to be able to have. My wife's doctor told her that if she were to have children, it's because God really wanted her to have them. Amen. We did, couldn't do it for a while. We were prayed for in a meeting. God healed her. We've got three of them. Praise God. Amen. God's been good to us. Amen. But I'll never forget that first moment of holding those babies when they're just born. And, uh, and I'll tell you, with all three of them, there was tears that flowed down my face. I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's a wonderful time. Yes. 
Amen. It's chapter number one. Amen. But as the things progress, you're hoping that things progress. They can start holding their own bottles a good day. Amen. When they can start feeding themselves, it's a good day. When they can start feeding themselves with a fork, it's a better day. Hallelujah. Oh, Trey, he, he ain't figured those things out yet. It's both hands, one at a time, just stuffing it in there. It's quicker. Amen. But, but you know, there's chapters that come along, and there's those wonderful days when you don't have to buy diapers anymore. Hallelujah. I've been buying them for over six years, and I'm tired of it. Hallelujah. I'm ready for that chapter to be done. And I don't even hardly ever change them. Praise God. I've got a weak stomach the Lord blessed me with, and it's gotten me out of it. Hallelujah. Because my wife don't want two messes to clean up. And, uh, and uh, hallelujah. I've had to sometimes. She left me when Abby was just a few months old and went to a lady's tea. And, uh, and, and me and my brother-in-law were together. He had two older kids, and I figured he might bail me out, but, but, but he, 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 he didn't, praise God. And, and so I, I put my shirt up over my nose, and it, it got down there and took care of business. And I about, uh, yeah, it was terrible. And uh, hallelujah. There was a time I was with my father-in-law, and, and we was in this sporting goods store, and that unmistakable smell hit. And, uh, and it, it was, what do we do now? And so I took her out to our van that we had and popped the hatch up. And I'm back there gagging for all I'm worth, and my father-in-law's dying laughing in the front seat. And, and, oh, it was bad. So I don't do it, praise God, unless I absolutely have to. But I'll be glad when that chapter's over. Amen. Hallelujah. There's that day that every kid's excited about. Amen. The first day of their first year of school. Amen. They're excited about it because school is another chapter of life. Amen. And then there's that day that I don't know about every child, but brother, I'm telling you, I was some kind of excited about. And that was birthday number 16. Amen. When I was 14 years old, I bought a 1966 Ford F-100 camper special. Hallelujah. It was white, had rust holes in the hood. Amen. It was my great uncle's truck that passed on to his grandson. He sold it to me. And I, I love that truck. Had a 352 big block, four speed with granny load. It would top out about 70 miles an hour, but it sounded tough. Amen. Had dual exhaust with blown out glass packs, and it was loud and obnoxious. And it was, I love that truck. And uh, I was just longing for the day that I could be the one to drive it by myself. Instead of having to take my mom or dad with me when I went driving it. And that day came, and, it, and my, my birthday hit on a Sunday. And Monday morning, I had my appointment scheduled, November the 29th of 1993, and it snowed. Hallelujah. And so I had to postpone till December the 1st. I got my driver's license. It was a typical December 1st day in the state of Oregon. It was cold, windy, and raining. And I got in my truck. We got back. I was first appointment in the morning. I got home about 10, 11 o'clock, and I had a test to take at our church school. I jumped in my truck, fired it up by myself. Amen. Got down to the highway that we drove out to the church, and I took off first gear. Oh, slipped the clutch into second because I couldn't hardly drive it. Got it, into, got it into fourth gear, and boy, I was just roaring along, and my windshield wiper goes... And there I was, ducking the raindrops with that steering wheel about out here. And, but it was an exciting day. I was driving my own truck by myself. 
it was a chapter in my life. I imagine that I, I, I helped my parents' prayer life when I started driving by myself. My dad bought a police scanner, and there was many times I came home, he said, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. I heard your name come over the radio. It's like, I didn't even get pulled over this time. He must have just read my driver's license, my license plate or something. Praise God. But it was a chapter. Then there was that day that everybody looks forward to after that first day of school. It's exciting, and that's the, the last day of school. Amen. High school graduation. I broke my ankle one month before my graduation, got my cast off the day of my graduation. The first time I tried walking on my ankle with no brace or nothing was walking up the aisle for my graduation. I was scared to death I was going to break it again. It was so weak. But I'll never forget that day. It was my graduation. Said goodbye to high school. Went off into life. Had it all planned out. Amen. College, my career. Amen. Had it all planned out how I was going to get married young, just like my parents did. I was going to have children young. Amen. I met my wife when I was 25. Didn't work out the way I planned. Married her when I was 26. I knew her for one year and two days. The day that we got married. This June will be 10 years. Amen. It's a chapter in my life. I went to college, another chapter. But then God stepped in and started working on me. Amen. I wanted, I had it all planned out. I was going to go. I was studying business. I had just completed two years of community college. I had already applied and been accepted to Portland State University. I was going to get my bachelor's degree in business management. It was all planned out. But God kept tugging at my heart. And I, I, I'm sorry if I'm taking too long tonight, but I'll never forget that day as long as I live. We were in revival. We had been in revival for eight weeks. I worked evenings. All I was there for was Sundays. And the last Sunday night of that revival, the evangelist told his personal testimony. How he was graduating from high school and God was dealing with him so strong. His friend had brought him to church and, and God just worked him over. And he, he wanted the Holy Ghost. He wanted to live for God. But he had already paid a $50 non-refundable application fee to university. And he did not want to lose his $50. And even though he knew he should not go, that he should stay there and live for God, he went anyways. And he graduated, got a high-paying job, and was miserable. To that same friend, got him in church, prayed through to the Holy Ghost. Amen. The rest is history. Pastors at church in Fresno, California today. But there I was sitting there. I had just paid a $50 non-refundable application fee to Portland State University. I felt God pulling at me and calling me into a different walk of life than what I had been leading. I was a youth leader. I was preaching already, but I felt God pulling me into evangelistic work, and, uh, and I knew that's where God wanted me, but I wanted to finish my plan. And it was on the right side of the church at an altar when he said that. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I went to an altar that night and laid down my plan. And God began to write a new chapter in my life. You see, he is the author. Hallelujah. He is the author. 
But there are times, unfortunately, when we come to an altar, we repent of our sin. We're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. We're giving him the pen to our life, and he can begin to write our life story. Amen. Where we always had control of the pen, and things didn't work out. When we came to that altar, and we submitted ourselves to him, we handed him the pen. But there's sometimes that we, in our, in our flesh, in our own personal desires, we reach out and take back the pen to our life. And we try to write our own story. And we try to write our own chapters. Oh, hallelujah. There's not one person here that in our flesh wants to give up control of our life. We want to control everything about it, where we go, what we do, what's going to happen tomorrow. But I'm telling you, this life that we're living in him, we've got to give up the pen and let him control us. Hallelujah. We try to take that pen and try to write our own story. Hey man, when you're writing a paper in school or, or if you're trying to write a book and you mess up, all you got to do is bubble that paper up and throw it in a bin and start over again. And unfortunately, we try to do that in our walk with God. But I'm telling you, it's impossible to throw that paper away. We can find the place of repentance where we can make things right. <laughs> but we can't erase what we've done. Well, praise God. It is impossible to erase the decisions that I have made in the past. They have left their mark. Hallelujah. It's quiet right now. I'm not saying that God will not forgive us. I'm not saying that the blood of Jesus Christ will not wash that away. But the Bible does say that we will reap what we have sown. I feel a burden tonight. Amen. I feel it strongly. When we're young, you don't mind if I preach to the young people for just a little bit. When you're young, you like to think you can control every aspect of your life. That you can plan it out just the way that you want it to happen. We like to think that we can make little decisions and it's not going to be any big deal. We can, we, you know, we just want to see what it's like. We just want to taste the world for a little bit. I don't intend to backslide. I don't intend to completely quit. I just want to see what it's like a little bit. I want to fit in with those friends I have that aren't in church a little bit. I don't want to seem like such an oddball. I want to know what they're talking about. Can I tell you tonight that those things will leave their mark? And I know this may be a cliche that's said all the time, but sin will take you a whole lot further than you ever thought it could. 
Sin's not content to take that little bit that you give. It'll take that little bit and keep taking more and more and more. And it's because you've taken the pen and trying to write your own story. Hallelujah. David's one of my favorite men in Scripture. Amen. I've preached about David probably more than anybody. That youngest son of Jesse, the shepherd who killed a lion and a bear. He wrote songs and worshiped to God and played at heart by his sheep. Amen. The day came when the man of God called for him and came and anointed him to be king in Saul's place. He ministered to Saul with his harp. Let me backtrack a little bit. You know, when they anointed him, he still had the oil on his face. Still smelled it in his clothes when he turned around and went back to the sheep. David did not become king that day. Because there were some things that God had to deal with in David, I believe. There were some places God needed to take David. David had some growing up to do and some learning to do before he was ready to take that place. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you what, God has a plan for your life, but it may not happen today. Because God's got to get some things put into you. God's got to do some work in you. He wants to write some things into your life to prepare you for what he has for you. Sometimes we try to force the hand of God and say, no, I want it to happen right now. I, you, I feel, God, that you want me to do this. I'm going to do it right now. God don't want it right now. God's got to get something in you. Let him have the pen. Let him write your story. You read about those Israelites. They came to the Jordan River. They got doubt in their heart. But there were some men when God said, fine, you're going back in the wilderness and you're going to die because of your unbelief. Because of your doubt, there was a group of them that said, well, I don't care what you're saying. We're going in there right now. Read it in your Bible. It did not work out very well for them. They were wiped out. They were busted up because they tried to force. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'll tell you what, this is going a direction I did not intend for it to, brother. But I'm telling you, we cannot force the hand of God. God's timing is perfect. God knows where he's taking you to. Mm. I tell you, there's a scripture I have lived by several years now. It's one of my favorite, the word of God. It's when Job said, I looked for God on the right. I looked on the left. I looked before me. I looked behind me. I can't find him anywhere. I can see you working, but I can't find you in my situation. He said, but thou knowest the way that I take. God, you know where you're taking me. I can't see it, and I don't understand it. But you know the way that I take. You know where you're taking me. And when I have come forth, I shall be as gold. He said, you're taking me somewhere, and it's going to be all right. I just got to keep walking. I just got to keep going. 
because you know. Hallelujah. David went back out to the shepherd's field. Amen. Trying to make a long story short. He, he goes and fights and kills Goliath. Wins that great battle. Was a great champion in Israel. Saul tries to kill him. And David has to flee. Amen. Several times he could have ended the chase. Several times he could have gone and killed Saul. And wiped him out. And justified himself in doing so. But he refused to touch the anointed of God. Even though Saul was backslidden. Even though Saul was not right with God. He said, I will not touch God's anointed. Mm. It's never right to touch God's anointed. Hallelujah. That's a freebie. He goes to Ziklag. Now, I have never in my studying found one time where David talked to God about going to Ziklag. But he was tired of running from Saul, and so he just, I believe, in his own mind, figured out that, you know what, there's one place Saul won't chase me. And that's in the Philistines' country. And so he went and made peace down there, and they gave him Ziklag for a city. And there he dwelt with his men, his families. Time came for war between Philistines and Israel. They called for David and his men to come. He goes on the side of the Philistines. And King Achish thinks everything's great because he's got this private army. Everybody else looks at these guys and says, man, they have killed us all their lives. They have fought us every time we've gone to battle. Those men have fought against us. We are not going to battle with them over here because what's going to happen is we're going to get in the hot battle and they're going to forget who they're fighting for because they've always fought against us. And so they sent him home. And David was mad they sent him home. And when he comes home, he finds his city destroyed. Their families taken, their possessions gone. And his men who were tired, the Bible says they wept until they had no more power to weep. Broken hearted. And David went and encouraged himself in the Lord and sought after God and said, should I pursue? And God said, pursue for thou shalt recover all. They pursued Recovered everything, plus more. Came back to find Saul dead. David is made king in Judah. Seven, eight years later, he's made king over all of Israel. Amen. But you know, when David would put matters in his own hands, he went to Ziklag and got himself in trouble. Because he took the pen. Started writing his own solution. You know, God will allow things to happen to us sometimes and uh, there's sometimes that we reach out to him but there's sometimes unfortunately in our flesh that we say oh I can handle this one God you just take a break I've got this one under control and you know what every time it ends up in a disaster amen Israel's at war David's at home David should have been with his men. He's at home, sees Bathsheba, desires Bathsheba, commits adultery with her. 
took the pen back and was writing his own story again. Oh, hallelujah. Nathan comes and delivers that message from God. Thou art the man. Judgment fell upon the house of David. The baby dies. The sword would never depart from the house of David. And evil would rise from his own house. Because of this decision in the life of David, there was many things of turmoil. One of his sons takes and forces one of his daughters. Her full-blood brother Absalom is furious, plans a meal, has Amnon killed. Absalom rebels against David. David has to flee. Then Absalom is killed. David, as a broken-hearted father, said, Absalom, Absalom, would to God I had died for thee, Absalom. This man who had rebelled against David. But it was his boy. Heartache because of a time when David took the pen. Hallelujah. David was told not to number the people. David went ahead and did it anyways. In 2 Samuel 24 and 10, and David's heart smote him. After that, he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. Hey, man, I always hated it when my parents came to me with a choice. Because wasn't any of them any good. Amen. When we got in trouble, did something, and, and they gave you a choice, there, there was not a good option. It was trying to find the lesser of three evils. <laughs> Amen. So Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days pestilence in thy land. Now advise, see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. Those are not good options. There's nothing good about a seven-year famine. There's nothing good about running for three months from your enemies. David knew what it was like to run from an enemy. Or a pestilence in thy land for three days. David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. I'm in a bad place. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba 70,000 men. Because of David taking the pen. Could you imagine living knowing that a decision you made cost 70,000 men to die? Hallelujah. When the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, 
The Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. The angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arun of the Jebusite. David had confessed his sin, messed up. But there was a price that he had to pay. Hallelujah. God told him to make a sacrifice at the threshing floor. So David went to buy his threshing floor. And Arun tried to give it to him. Tried to give him the sacrifice, the offering. David would not let him give it to him. Because he said, I've, it's got to cost me something. In studying for this message, it just came to me over and over again. That in the life of the world that we're living in, nobody wants to pay the price for their own sacrifice. Nobody wants to pay the price. Nobody wants to do anything for themselves. They want the government to take care of them. They want somebody else to take care of them, take care of their situations, take care of their problems. They, they want someone else to give them this or give them that. They don't want to step out and do anything. David said, I can't let you give it to me because it's got to cost me something or it isn't a sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice is it? If I take Brother Dalton's wallet and give his money in the offering. It's not much of a sacrifice for me. Amen. Well. Hallelujah. It's no sacrifice for me if I take his money and give it. It's got to cost me something for it to be a sacrifice for me. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. There's many times, many times in the life of David where he tried to take that pen and write his own story. Write his own chapters. Every time it ended in heartache and disaster. Amen. But yet in Acts chapter 13, in 21, it says, And afterward they desired a king. God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David was far, far from perfect. But you know, Saul was a good man. He was a good man when they made him king. Saul's problem was is that he got puffed up. Got too big in his own eyes. Lost that humility where they found him hiding amongst the stuff. When they were looking for him, he lost all that. He became the arrogant king. And a little side note, I think that unfortunately in the church of the living God in this day and age, we have lost that humility. Amen. 
building these big edifices. Oh, help me, Jesus. Building these big old fancy buildings to glory in after man glories after him. I'm sorry. But you know, when they built an altar, they, they couldn't touch the stones with an instrument. Had to be natural, raw old stones. He didn't want them making it fancy and beautiful. Well, it's in your Bible. Oh, help us. But Saul got puffed up. But David, David messed up very grievously. He disobeyed God just like Saul did. But the difference between the two is Saul said, Samuel, go and pray for me. David fell on his face and said, I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. He said, heal those bones that you've broken. Don't let your spirit depart from me. Saul wanted somebody else to pray for him. David went and fell on his face before God. I'm not going to say that I have not depended on the prayers of others. But I'm telling you, if I'm going to make it to heaven and I'm going to be right, I've got to find my own way to an altar. I've got to find my own way in that place of sacrifice. I've got to put myself in that place of death. I have to be the one that gives up the pen and lets the author take over in my life. Hallelujah, I'm almost done. Abraham, the father of Israel, the man of promise. Oh, what a great man of faith he was. But I'll say that Abraham, there was many times that Abraham took the pen away from God. Well, he went to Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. Told his wife, he said, man, they're going to desire you. He said, so what we're going to do is we're just going to tell them, that you're my sister, it's not a lie. He said, you're my half-sister. He said, so we'll just tell them that because if not, they're, they're going to take you and they'll kill me and take you. And so they went in there and found out they was, he, she was his sister, so they took her anyways. And then judgment fell in their house and it was revealed to them that it was actually his wife. They got mad at Abraham and asked him kindly to leave their country. But men suffered because of it. Genesis chapter 20, same story, Abimelech took her because they told him the same thing. Didn't learn his lesson the first time. God delivered him in both cases, but caused a mess because he didn't put his faith in God. He put his faith in his own idea. Well, then of course there was the major mistake that Abraham made when God had made him a promise and he got tired of waiting for it. And so he took matters into his own hands. And Sarah came up with an idea. <clears throat> she said, I'm never going to have a child, Abraham, so I'll just give you Hagar, my maid. 
and you can have a son with her. And so Abraham said, okay, and they had Ishmael. God comes and speaks to Abraham and starts talking about how he's going to have a child. He says, I wish you would see Ishmael. God said, well, my plan is a boy by the name of Isaac. He said, I'll make a nation out of Ishmael. He said, but Isaac is going to be my plan. And so Isaac comes along, and immediately there is turmoil in the house of Abraham. And so Ishmael gets kicked to the curb. And however many hundreds and thousands of years later, Ishmael and Isaac are still in turmoil. Thousands of years of fighting and war because of a man who took the pen away from the author. Don't think that your decisions aren't going to affect somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. I want the author to take the pen in my life. Not everything that happens is going to make sense. But do we believe that God is faithful? Hallelujah. Do we believe that God is faithful? That he's going to keep writing the right things in our life. But it's not happening fast enough. Hey, don't forget the example of Abraham. It wasn't happening fast enough for him. And look at the mess he created. Let the author keep the pen. And just keep your faith and trust in him. And let him write the story of your life. There was an author very popular in some places. What I'm about to say would probably be considered heresy. But Louis L'Amour, great Western writer. I own every one of his books. And most of them in duplicates. I like his books. But I read, a, I read an article about him one time. And it was a critique, I guess, of him. And, uh, and, and one of the things about Louis L'Amour is he refused to write a rough draft. When he got an idea, this was probably later in his, in his career once he had gotten uh, 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 popular or whatever. And so he would get this idea and he'd sit down, he'd write the book from cover, from start to finish and send it off. And so in his books, there are some pretty grievous errors. They said in this article that in one of his books, actually someone dies at the beginning of the book and they're living at the end because he forgot he killed them other little errors because he he didn't go back and proofread well every writer makes mistakes when they write a book but they, ha they, they go back and rework it but you know what we can't go back and rewrite the story of our life I was talking with somebody up in PEI center they were talking about things that had happened in their past. I said, you know, I said, every one of us has things that we'd like to go back and rewrite. There's things that we'd like to go back and redo if we could. Get a do-over on it and not do some things. But you know what? It's impossible. We cannot go back in time. All we can do is from this day forward, make sure that he has the pen.
I can't go back and rewrite it now. And there's some things that I would love to change that are behind me. Yes, I was raised in church. But folks, I'm not perfect. There are things behind me that I, I'd love to go and redo. But I don't have that kind of eraser. I don't have that whiteout. I don't have the backspace button or the delete button. It's there. It's a part of my life. But what I can do is make sure that he's the author of my life. That I can look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He wrote this plan. Amen. From the beginning of time, I believe he had this plan in place. That if I let him have control, if I'll be obedient to his word, and let him write my story. Hallelujah. Last scripture, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them we were dead in trespasses and sins as I preached this morning he quickened us he breathed the breath of life into us he showed us mercy and grace We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. You know, there's some books that have been put out, short stories. Amen. Some of them have been put together by Louis L'Amour's daughter. There's been other authors that I have read that have, towards the end of their careers and lives, they would have someone else come in and write with them. And you can always tell the difference. You can tell that it wasn't his hand writing the book. Well, we're his workmanship. Huh. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Hallelujah. You stand with me tonight. He is the author 
He's the author. Amen. I want to ask you a question tonight at the close of this message. Who holds the pen in your life? Who's holding the pen? Who's holding the pen? Are you letting him author your life? Are you submitted to his plan? Or are you in that struggle where you're trying to write your own story? And every chapter is ending with a balled up paper thrown in the garbage. Because it's just not working out the way you hoped it would. You can look back in your life and you can see times when there was more peace than what you have right now. There was more meaning to life than right now. Oh, hallelujah. Won't you let him have the pen back? David, the man after God's own heart, he learned a lesson that he had to give up the pen. Amen. Turmoil over and over and over again because of decisions he had made. Abraham had to learn the hard way that God's plan was the right plan. Hallelujah. We could go on and on. I could tell you all night long about men in Scripture and times that they took the pin. Peter and the disciples, when they denied Jesus, ran from him, said they would never leave him. We heard about it so well just the other day, Sunday morning, how they, they ran. They, they said they wouldn't, but they did. They failed. They failed. Thomas who said, man, I don't believe he's even alive. Lest I stick my hands in his hands in his side. I don't believe it. Well, Elijah who stepped out so mightily prayed that it would not rain. It did not rain by the space of three and a half years. And then he prayed. Fire fell from heaven. The rain came back. And then he ran and hid because Jezebel wanted to kill him. And he told God, he said, man, I'm the only one you've got left. I've been very jealous for you, God. I'm hiding in this cave because I'm the only one that's serving you. I said, man, I've got something for you to do, Elijah. It's not in the cave. It's down there. And he told him all these things that he wanted him to do. And then he said, and by the way, there are yet 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal. Amen. Elijah. I tell you what, over and over again in Scripture, there are stories of the, the men in Scripture, they were flesh. And they messed up because none of them were perfect either. Should we talk about Jonah? ran from God didn't end up very well for him either although the end of the story was that he 
did finally pray and seek God. And God still used him to do what he wanted him to do. His transportation was not as pleasant as it could have been. Because he took the pin. Who holds the pin to your life? Who holds the pin to your life? Tonight, can we just come gather around the front, just lift up our hands and talk to the Lord. Let him know that we want him to hold the pin. That we want him to write our story. That there are promises that he's given us, yes. But I'm just going to have my faith in him until it comes. I don't want to force the hand of God. I don't want to force it. I don't want to take that pen and write disaster in my life. Because there's something that I want to do. But God, help me to be yielded to your will. Help me to be yielded to your will, God. Help me to submit myself to you. God, that you can have control. God, that you can write things in my life. There may have been hurt and failure behind me, but God, there's something else that you can write. You can write victory. You can write joy and peace and deliverance. But I've got to let you have control. I've got to let you have the pen. I can't do it my way. But I've got to submit myself to your plan. I've got to submit myself to your way. God, we want you to write the next chapter. Can we just lift up our hands and glorify him? Mercy.